following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. NFL Week 13 edition with a wise guy head-to-head face-off. Steve Fezzik across from me, and I'm going to battle him the entire hour. I'm the underdog for sure, but I tend to win when I'm a dog. Matty Holt, business commitments, but we expect him back next week, thankfully. Last week, obviously, Thanksgiving. But the good news, we've got a write-up on every game for Matty, giving us the sharp money opinion. In addition, in this head-to-head battle with Faz, we've got the pros versus Joes. We've got all the normal stuff, including best bets, public pounders, the power ratings disagreements. But a first time ever, we've got a best bet, which is a crossfire, but also a power ratings disagreement. This is going to be an extravaganza At the very end, I think there's going to be a little blood on the floor. But first, we're going with my disagreement against Fez. Then we'll have Colin Cowherd's disagreement coming up in a minute. It's the Lions and the Ravens. And not only do I disagree with Fez's Ravens ranking, but so does Football Outsiders. We'll be using DVOA as a reference point to see when Fez is different, right? Because sometimes he's going to say, you know, maybe they've got a point. Sometimes he's going to say, here's why I think they're wrong. To me, that's interesting. Is It's either him maybe hedging a little bit, Fez, and if so, we learn, hey, the power ratings just got better, or this is why the sabermetrics guys are missing something. Because quite frankly, I can guarantee you those sabermetric guys would rather be professional batters. Think about it. All right, let's set some context, Faz. You got the Ravens number 16 in your power rating, one point worse than an average NFL team. Football Outsiders has the Ravens number six. I don't think six is right. I don't think 16 is right. I'm probably more towards 12 or so. So I, I think you've got the Ravens underrated. They think you've got the Ravens way underrated. Make the case the Ravens are a below-average team. Well, they're certainly below-average on offense and defense when you combine it together. They have an elite defense. They have arguably the worst offense in the league, RJ. And if you look at the underlying numbers, the metric yards per play, they only average 4.4 yards per play. That's last in the league. Their defense is elite. They only give up 4.8. But I don't think their defense is as good as advertised because look at their schedule. They played a whole bunch of cupcakes teams that have bad offenses, including three backup quarterbacks. When they played green Bay, they got to play Hundley. When they played Oakland Carr was gone. They got to play against manual. And then when they played Houston, they got to play against savage. Now, one thing where I think football outsiders probably factors in more heavily than I do. And possibly I'm wrong here. Special teams. Baltimore has awesome special teams. They Tucker's the best field goal kicker in the league. And they have a really good punter and just across the board. They're really, really good in special teams. That's probably why their number is so high. Okay, so 
you said football outsiders probably factors it in more than you do. So you just don't factor in special because it seems to me if you say one of the best offense or one of the best defenses, one of the best worst offenses, that sounds like an average team. Now you throw in elite special teams, even if you don't weight that a third, you would still say, oh, they're moving towards 10, 11, 12. Yeah, but I think they're the literally the worst offense in the NFL. So last in offense, top five defense, and add that up, and they'd be a little bit below average. And, and I do think, well, yeah, but before you roll in special teams. But I think you're saving grace. And I'm not, listen, this is certainly not some exact math, but my guess is I would say there's five units give two units to, and when I say units, I don't mean offensive unit, but let's say we're waiting five weight points. I'll give two for offense, two for defense and one for special team. I, I'm going to double weight offense and defense myself. I'm not sure. Does that sound about right? Cause I do think with special teams too, there's a lot of luck. It, 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 usually the correlation year to year, there's a handful of teams that have it where they're good and they stay good or they're bad and they stay bad. Usually special teams has high variance year to year, though admittingly the Ravens are a team that, that have uh, been high on special teams for many years. Yeah. And a big part of that is just Tucker is so much better as a kicker than anybody else in the NFL. But let's face it, any NFL kicker hitting a 38 yarder is going to make it 85% of the time. So Tucker makes it 94% or whatever it is. But the fact that he can bomb them from 50 plus and make most of them really is a special weapon. Now, you make a great point of all the things you've said so far. The idea that not only do you have to look at strength of schedule, but when you're breaking down offense and defense, you have to look at the strength of opposing offenses and look at the strength of opposing defenses. If you're looking at your offense, obviously, and then you got to consider their strength when they played you specifically with quarterback injuries, right? You could have some cluster injuries, I guess, on defense, but in general, that quarterback might move things, you know, seven, eight points. Yeah. And I really think that Oakland, if you got Oakland without Carr, and that was just one game all year long where he didn't play and Baltimore was the recipient and they crushed Oakland, that was a very, very fortuitous scheduling break. So if the Ravens defense isn't second, third or fourth, but rather seventh or eighth, because of the strength of the offenses that they've opposed. Now it starts to make sense to be right in the middle of the pack. Yeah. And, and you know, the eye test also, when I watch Flacco, he's just horrendous each and every yeah, we've week. We've already acknowledged it. I'm giving you the worst off. It can't get worse <laughs> than worst. Right. All right. Let's look at the game here. Ravens favored by three little extra juice on the dog here. Lean or like I lean to Detroit. I think it's a big part of that is just the extra prep time. They've got 10 days and Baltimore with just six days. I think that's a key edge towards the lines. Okay. That's it. That's it. All right. And you also like the over here. I, I like the over a, a great deal. And it comes back to that strength of schedule. Not only has Baltimore gotten to play a whole bunch of teams missing their starting quarterbacks. Well, when they play a team with their starting quarterback, it's not necessarily a good starting quarterback and teams with really good defenses. They're playing the Jacksonville, the Tennessee Titans, the Minnesotas, the Cincinnati Bengals, teams that are not high scoring. So because of that, their year-to-date averages are really low for both teams in terms of how many points are being put on the board. Now they're finally, I'd make the case, RJ, this is the first over team they played all year long in the Detroit Lions, but we have a really low total, 
40 and a half because of the year to date scoring averages. Okay. Interesting. Let's get, well, first I'll, I'll go with a lean on Baltimore. I was moving towards a like, but that idea, the strength of the offenses they've opposed in those games resonated with me. And, and, and guys, this is why, you know, quite frankly, something like the dream preview. And when I say something like it, well, there's only one, right. But some variation you might get other places. And again, all joking aside, there's some good info out there. Really good. It's a pregame doesn't have a monopoly on great info. Not even close. I do think the dynamic of the dream preview and the fact of our tenacity fighting each other, uh, because really the truth is what we want to win. At least the truth is we see it. That's why there's fights. And, and I do think that's something that is quite unique. Um, but to me, the value of it is you listen and say, you know, maybe they're right. You know, politics, if you're on the left, you're on the right. Very few times does anyone change their mind, even an iota. Something we try to do here is, is keep an open mind. So you've moved me more towards a lean on the Ravens um, versus a like. All right, Smart Money Report, one $5,000 bet on Baltimore from a really sharp player. And additionally, and he doesn't talk totals too much, Maddie. Max bets on over 40 and a half and over 41 from a sharp better. So there you go, Fez. Over from Fez, the strong one here. All right, game number two. We've got an RJ disagreement. And so I'm giving a second one and a football outsiders disagreement. And oh, by the way, it's a pros versus Joe's. Let's start there. Chargers favored by 14, 14 against the Browns. Let's create a little history here. Chargers are the first team in December or later to be under 500 and be favored by more than 13 points. So think about that under 500. Why does December later matter? Cause under 500 means something. Right? Oh, and one doesn't mean much, but late in the year, if you're under 500, it's, it should be telling, but man, oh man, we've got the chargers highly rated. And that's going to be a disagreement. We're going to get to, but history here being this big of a favor since 2000. So 17 years. All right, let's talk pros versus Joe's. This is for Maddie Holt. Pros on, yeah, you can guess it, the Browns. Whenever we play the Browns, we got to start playing the bumbling music. Those Browns. And the Joe's on the Chargers. Football outsiders, let's get to the disagreement here. And I agree with this one. You've got the Chargers eighth, eighth in the NFL, Fez. So that means, and you got them tied with Carolina. So the only teams you have better than the Chargers, the Saints, the Vikings, the Rams, the Falcons, the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Eagles. I think the Chargers probably are 11, 12. So I agree they're, they're, they're way above average for a team that's below 500. But the DVOA, number 15, or actually number 16. So you've got them eight. DVOA says 16. I agree with DVOA, or at least I'm more in that direction. 
Make your case. Wow. Well, I'll strongly disagree with them being a middle of the pack team. Uh, Phillip Rivers, really good quarterback. Offense is gelling. Brand new coach, Coach Lynn, wasn't ready to go. They open up 0-4. I'm going to take a lot of those stats, throw them in the garbage can. Team wasn't ready since then. 5-2. and Wait, two. wait, wait, wait. So it's the game that they won. The first game they won is when they got ready. Well, I'll do a weighted <laughs> average saying the most recent results are more significant than week one, especially under a first-year head coach. I really like the pass rush that has emerged. They've got two awesome defensive ends that absolutely are wreaking havoc. The defense is peaking. That Bosa is a beast. The eye test, I hate to say eye test, when I watch the Chargers, they look like an absolute Super Bowl contender. Their stats are good. They're plus .6 yards per play, the metric we love to look at. The one issue I do have, they have been the recipient the last two weeks of some very favorable scheduling. They got the Peterman experiment against Buffalo that is certainly skewing the stats, and they got Dallas without their linebacker, Sean Lee, and without Elliott. Okay, so I, it sounds like you're conceding my point a little bit. So let's think if you just downgraded him a half a point. So you'd be a, so if Carolina and the Chargers played on a neutral, you'd be no problem if someone wanted to bet you big on Carolina at even money. If they laid a dollar ten, I'd have no problem. But I agree. I agree. That's a good point. If it was minus one oh one, I would probably bet Carolina. So the Chargers three, maybe maybe a half point too high. All right. Woo! I'll take it, baby. Listen, a win's a win. It's psyching me up for the rest of the pod. I actually started the rating at two and a half this week, and I consulted with my experts who talked me into a three. I, I did we didn't talk. One of my experts. Oh, <laughs> all right. So now pros versus Joe's. We talked about it. Now, listen, we know about those Browns, right? I'm not betting them this week. I'll, I'll give it away. I'm leaning though. I'm leaning Browns, especially with, with the idea of the back. I, I haven't, you know, I'd rather, if I what we're going to play the Browns here, I do it on the money line. What we've seen is obviously it's a long shot, but what we've seen is Kaiser, you know, uh, six points covering the spread with the ball at the end. It's you're about 50, 50, it seems right. So I'm just, if you do like the Browns, I would look towards the money line. Cause at least then it's like, Hey, they spring a surprise. Well, the pros bet the Browns seemingly every week and under Hugh Jackson, they're six and 21 against the spread. So that hasn't been working out real well to the Browns favor. It's process. Trust the process. Yeah. The process was only going to last five more games uh, on a positive side. Uh, Kaiser's got good chemistry with one of his wide receivers, Coleman, right now at a big game against the Bengals. And he gets back off suspended Josh Gordon, who is a stud wide receiver who has not played all year long. So now get this. Cleveland arguably has two number one wide receivers coming in to play. That's a reason to like the Browns to be able to score some points, even against that very good Charger defense. But RJ, here's why I don't like the Browns. The Browns have won one game the last two years against the San Diego chargers so if there's one team that should not be overlooking the browns it's the Chargers who lost outright to them last year but isn't there another way to look at that which is the match these uh, i mean i guess you got a new coach on the Chargers, right so you would think about hey schematically it's an advantage for the browns you could look at it that way i look at it hey we're the only guys that lost it's the same players and we've managed to lose to these turkeys last year we're not going to look past this game you do like and again we usually do one total but you like two a lot this week 
yeah, I like the over. It's all about the Cleveland wide receivers with Gordon and Coleman. They're going to put some points on the board. And also because the Chargers lost last year to Cleveland, I think if they get a chance, they'll want to try to bury this team and not let up in the fourth quarter. Looking over. Over. Has this pick. So we don't hit anyone with Huey on that one. Stay tuned. Next game. Another DVOA disagreement, but also Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd has the Atlanta Falcons number nine. DVOA has the Falcons number 15, 15. Fez, you got the Falcons number four. Make your case. Yeah, and it's a four-way tie for fourth, but I absolutely think they belong there. So it's Falcons, Rams, Vikings, Saints. Yeah, and I mean, if you're going to split decimals, they're clearly better than the Rams. So Fez, just to let you know, when you rate a team four, you don't have to tell us you think they're four. They're four. I got it. I got that part. Now make your case. Statistically, they're number one. The number so one net yards per play. Net yards per play. They're plus one point one. That's right on par where they were last year when they made the Super Bowl. How good are those numbers? Well, six point one yards per play in offense. That puts them in the top. I believe top. Yeah, top four in the league. Certainly, defense top seven in the league, only giving up five yards per play. And they've done this on offense despite some injuries. Freeman, their starting running back's been out. They He was out the entire game, last game against Tampa Bay. Uh, Coleman had to play the whole game. Now Freeman is back. Um, uh, Julio Jones was hurt for a game. Sanu was hurt for a game. So some of their weapons have been out over the course of the season. Despite that, they're still number one in the NFL and their strength of schedule. Nothing wrong with that. It's um, above average, but they're seven and so, four. So let's, let's talk some, and, and again, we don't want to rattle too many numbers off. So let's slow it down. Atlanta net yards per play, number one in the NFL. On defense, they're number 10. On offense, they're number two, the Falcons. Their strength of schedule, Jeff Sagarin, number 15. So above average, you're low strong. It's technically correct. And by the way, this is fascinating. Year over year, exactly the same net yards per play. So the team that made the Super Bowl was plus 1.1. Net, they're plus 1.1 this year. Now, I will concede a strong point. I've never seen a team get bet more in the last six weeks. If you just look at the Falcons line moves and say in any six week period, the last 10 years, tell me the aggregate move. Let's say a team moves up three points a game and then against them two points the next game. So now it's a plus one, right? So plus three and one minus two in the other. And if you just kind of add it up over a six game period, I can't see a situation. I don't recall a situation where any, and I know you don't have total recall on this, where any teams have been bet as much as the Falcons by the Sharps, because they're the ones really moving the line than the Falcons have in the last six weeks. Yeah. And the poster child. So do you agree with that? I I agree with it. And the poster child game, of course, was the Monday night game at Seattle where they open up catching three points and they close a one and a half point favorite at Seattle. And remember they were a three point favorite at Carolina. Right? They opened up plus two and they closed minus three. Yeah, and Carolina's right below all these teams in my power ratings. Yeah, so to me, you are with your brethren, the wise guys here. But listen, if all it took was to say net yards per play, and by the way, on Twitter, what I do is I send out every Thursday, right before the Thursday night game, you can follow me on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas is I put out my, Fez, let's agree, maybe the best yards per play sheet you've ever seen. 
easily the best. <laughs> I think it's true. We got the offense. We got the defense. We got the net. We got last year. We got uh, the year over year um, arithmetic. Also, the turnovers and strength of schedule all on one printable page at RJ in Vegas. So once someone says, okay, they say the wise guys are good, or, you know, love net yards per play. That's good for them. I'm just going to look at this sheet and I don't need to hear these guys. So Falcons are one. I get it. They're, they're good. I think it's always more important to say that's the starting point. Now, why would net yards per play like you did with Baltimore? Why might they be off? My question to you is, and not that you know every element of the algorithm of DVOA, but why do you, because it does seem almost unbelievable that Falcons would be average, you know, number 15, slightly above average, but like you have any sense of why DVOA now, and by the way, Colin had it at nine. And again, I think Colin's just not as, again, I think for a radio guy, he's about as sharp as they come, but the idea of, Hey, you know, I think that with almost everyone, but professional batters or pure math guys, they do focus too much on the record. And when the Falcons record wasn't, you know, obviously the record's gotten better, but they were four and four, right? Three weeks ago. And it just, it felt like, and it was an easy narrative, Super Bowl let down, Look at him in the red zone, where in truth, as we said, you know, let's take a bow here, that whenever the full field stats say one thing and the red zone says another, the, the, the red zone tends to move towards the full field stats. Yes, and the real issue here is the Falcons have had bad red zone offense to assume they're suddenly going to revert back to what their overall stat should be, I think is a leap of faith. The answer is somewhere in between where with those great offensive stats, maybe they should score 73% touchdowns in the red zone. And now they're, they've only been scoring. Like, I don't know what the, the number is, but maybe it's a little above 50% and it should be somewhere in between say 62% going forward. But if anything, that's making the case that you can't just look at net yards per play and say, Oh, this is one of the best teams. Uh, but but I, let's zero in on the question: Why? Who? What could be play devil's advocate? Why reasonably could someone think the Falcons are almost average? I mean, do you or even say nine? Like, if they what, weight red zone efficiency, they think they're they're well, that not would very be just, good. Be kind of, it's like saying, oh, any team that has pink in their logo, we're going to make in the bottom half of the league. It'd be that illogical to especially weight because red zone is going to be so correlated to scores and wins and losses anyway if you weighted it more in the stats it'd be you know be pretty egregious i would say it's a mystery to me why my numbers disagree so much with someone else's because like i said across the board the falcons carry a solid numbers this year and if you weighted some of the results from last year they were in the super bowl last year all right so let's look at the game falcons at home favored by three but there's a lot of extra juice on the vikings minus 125 right now leaner like Tough game. I lean Atlanta. The Vikings have 10 days off. That certainly helps them. I think that my home field advantage, I've gone back and forth in that new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Very limited data year to date. But when a really good team plays in the Dome, RJ, usually in a big game against a premium opponent, you can raise that home field up to three and a half. That's why I would lean to Atlanta. I'm going to lean Minnesota. Here's my thinking. I don't think a game impressed me more than Minnesota on Thanksgiving. They had the biggest win of the year against the Rams on the prior Sunday, Monday or so Sunday to celebrate Monday to recover Tuesday, do some prep Wednesday travel play on Thursday at 1130 AM central time in division against the Lions team. That's average. 
you know, not below average. And to cover that spread. And I mean, to me, that's a win. Agree or disagree? I agree. But however, and when we did the pod last uh, week, we discussed this. Minnesota had lost three straight gut-wrenching losses against the Lions. But, but Fez, I get it. If there, if it was questionable why they'd be motivated, that would have helped them. But if all it took was will not to be tired, then they wouldn't have fed a bunch of amphetamines to the fighters in wars in Vietnam and all that, right? Because it's life and death. You would think, hey, they don't need any speed because our greenies, as they call them in baseball, I guess, because life and death. It's like there is physiological realities. And in the NFL, to play on a travel on a Thursday and play, you know, eight hours before you typically would play, even if it was a night game. That feels like something you can't just will yourself not to be affected by. Well, I think it'll impact you less if you have extra motivation, and the Vikings certainly did, and that's why I did like them in that game. The, I also think the Falcons have a little fatigue. When you have a must, where it feels like you almost must win games, and we talked about this earlier in the week, and you agreed with it. I mean, we can go back in their schedule and, and kind of go through, but I mean, from the Cowboys game on, not must wins as much, but I remember the narrative in that Dallas game was whoever wins this game, uh, you know, doubles your chances of the playoffs and whoever loses it cuts them in half. And then they've had some tough games since. And it feels like, like you can't just keep playing at the high. There's a reason there's flat spots. Yeah, it's a great point, but I'd argue last week was their flat spot. They're a nine point favorite at home against Tampa Bay. So how much energy did they really have to expand? Yeah, I hear you, but but and the fact they did pretty well there. I, I still think that the uh, all right, maybe that's less of a point than I thought. It that's was a, a close one. game against Tampa Bay, misleading final. Yeah, yeah, but still, that that makes that would almost make your point, right? But I'm still going to lean mini. I I think mini's just a little bit better. Quite, I think situationally we might have a half a point here, and I think mini's probably a half a point better, and 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 because of that, I I think I lean mini, but but I don't like it. All right, next game. And by the way, we've got a triple light coming up. Fazme and the smart money. Next game, though, a public pounder. This is when the public is pounding one side and a power ratings edge. This is a new thing. We're always trying to improve. What's a power ratings edge? It means that if you just did the math on Fez's power ratings and take into account home field, there seems to be a clear play. So we're going to find out, hey, do you like this side? Or is there something on top of the power rating, situationally, trends, what at matchups, that's causing you not to like the obvious side due to your power ratings? It's Patriots, it's Bills. By the way, the public pounder, you could guess it. Patriots, 97% of the cash, 92% of the tickets. By the way, you go to pregame.com, click Game Center, then click Consensus tab in the Game Center, and you see splits on every game, football, basketball, baseball, every game, hockey, the amount of tickets on one side, amount of tickets on the other, the amount of cash on one side, amount of cash on the other. Only place on the internet to get live cash data for free. No other place. Pregame.com, click Game Center. All right, so public on the Pats. Your power ratings edge, Fez, is if you just do the math, take into account home field, 
the Pats should be favored by six. But actually, the Pats in this game on the road favored by nine. Why do you think there's such an edge here? Well, why is the line so high compared to my number? It's all about the NFL favorites just kicking butt since week seven. They've covered, RJ, 68% since week seven. It's been a tremendous run of favorites. And what's happening is the odds makers are tired of getting beat, and they're putting the numbers higher. The public, the betters, are just going to keep playing the teams that they've been winning with, the Eagles, the Patriots, and they're going to bet those teams regardless of what the number is. And that explains why a game I have power rated at six is being dealt a field goal almost higher. Okay. And it's probably all favorites going to have a a little premium on them, but these public teams even more so. Absolutely. And I think the public is ignoring some factors. I'm going to lean with Buffalo here. I hate betting. All right. So... The power ratings say it's a like. What's causing you not to like it? Because I hate betting against Belichick. He just finds ways to absolutely, even though I skew my power ratings, I don't just look at yards per play. I jack the Patriots way higher than they deserve to be. Than their stats. Than their stats. I'm sorry, not than they deserve to be, but than what their pure stats are. But even doing that, it's so rare that the Patriots wind up being a good bet against. However, in this case, not only do I have the numbers going for me, I do think that the Bills, now that they switch back to Taylor at quarterback, are much more motivated. And I think there was a game in the Buffalo stats, the Peterman game against the Chargers, that skewed their stats way to the negative. And further, the weather report, 10 to 15 mile an hour wins, that's going to help Buffalo. Buffalo runs the ball more than half the time. What do the Patriots do best? Throw the ball. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, the weather is, is is a big one for sure there great factor. I'm going to lean Pats. And there's one reason I think there's been a change on the bill. Now, first off, I really question the way the team would perform with, uh, after the Peterman incident, it's almost like the spaghetti incident or something. The incident on 52nd street. Can we call him Peterson again? (laughs) Hey, we, we were, we were looking, we were uh, fortune tellers. He didn't deserve at least as an NFL quarterback, he's, us learning his name, right? Because we're never going to have to worry about it again, I don't think. And again, these are humans, right? But they're getting paid a lot of money, so we can be fans a little bit, I guess. I question the way the Bills would respond to what seemed like front office shenanigans, but they seem to respond really well. You watched the game. What did you see from the Bills effort-wise? I saw a Bills team that just took it to Kansas City. I saw a defense that had been torched the last two weeks playing all in. And frankly, on offense, they got limitations with Taylor. They um, That defense won that game. Okay. You know, I'm going to go to a pass. I was leaning New England. You talked me off, and I'm going to go a pass. Here's why I don't even lean Buffalo, though, and I certainly don't like them, is Marcel Darius, when he was on the Bills, they were giving up two and a half yards per carry. When he's been off the Bills, they've been horrible against a run, well over four yards. Now, I get last week they played better, but I, I've i got enough games now to think that if you look at the full season stats, a guy like Darius who doesn't tend to move the needle, if you actually look when he's on the field, when he's off the field, it's a gigantic difference. And I, I, gotta, I can't look at those Bills defensive stats and trust them now that he's not on the field. Is that going to make you change your mind? I'm not betting the Bills, <laughs> but it's an, it's an excellent point. I think what is most excellent about that is you want to find players that 
should move the needle, but don't. That's a big edge. It's a way to find mispricing, which is our ultimate goal. So Fez leans Buffalo, and I'm gonna I've moved to a pass on that game. By the way, smart money report, three times more New England money on account, which is the sharps, five times more all over the counter, which is squares. So we've got the public and the pros both on the pats. In this case, Fez, you lean Buffalo. Another reason I think this is a tough one. I don't see any betting from us on that one. Speaking of that, we're coming up not that far from very actionable games, the smart money games, double like, triple like, best bets, etc. All right, public pounder number two, Rams, Cardinals. Rams open up five and a half on the road, up to seven. 90% of the tickets on the Rams. Lean or like? Lean to Arizona, almost alike. Uh, my power ratings don't actually support this, but the situation does support it. All about remembering London. These two teams played in London earlier in the year, 33 to nothing. Rams destroyed Arizona. Now, I'm not a big revenge guy in the NFL. I think it's overrated in most cases. But when you get beat 33 to nothing, and then you have to go and take a bye on top of it, that's a game you're going to remember. Gabbard's playing much better than I expected him to be playing for Arizona. The best third-string quarterback in the league. Heck, he's playing like the best second-string quarterback. There's a lot to like about Arizona because of the situational spot. Isn't Case Keenum the best third-string quarterback in the league? He's the best starter. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You don't believe that one. All right. I'm actually going to lean Arizona, too. To me, I like the Rams. I I mean, DVOA, they're number one. I think they're even better than people think. I like the coach. Steve Cofield, the host of our Fox national show, first show and only show ever on one of the three main national radio networks, ESPN, CBS, or Fox. That is Las Vegas odds and predictions straight out of Vegas, pregame.com show. Fez, you anchor our expertise, the wise guy chair, as we call it on the Fox national show, Cofield host, I co-host and Brad powers on the college side. and. Cofield calls him the boy genius. He loves McVay. I like a lot of what they're doing. A lot of people think it's all about the quarterback golf. I think his improvements key, but if you look, they're better on defense and special teams. The Rams are than they even are on offense. Yeah. And one thing about the Rams, they can step it up and play with anybody, but they did that last week. Huge home win against the saints, a team that's every bit as good as them. I don't like to back a team off of a signature no, win and, like that. And I agree with that. Uh, awful, I think there's a letdown. Also, I don't like to bet teams in unique or new situations. Rams being a, a touchdown favorite on the road is just a new situation. And in general, the, the pitfalls, the sandwich spots, the flat spots, whatever you want to call it, that can come in the NFL. I think the Patriots of the world, those kind of teams, know better how to deal with them than a team that's fresh in these kind of new situations. Agree. And, you know, with the inflation that we're seeing on favorites, who knows? Maybe we get seven and a half in Arizona, upgrade them to a like if that happens. All right. So I lean Arizona, lean Arizona from Fez. No, no real smart money yet for Matty Holt. No, nothing noteworthy there. Next game, Monday Night Football. And then we got pros versus Joe's next. Steelers, Bengals, Steelers favored by five and a half on the road. So let's do smart money first. of the account action on the Bengals so far. So Sharps on the Bengals. And it makes sense. This is almost a pros versus Joes because you look at it. Well, 62% on the Steelers right now. So 
uh, take account wise. So almost, but Sharps clearly on the Bengals. Lean or like? Lean to the Bengals going up against a lot of trends here. But the big picture is hey, you know, the Bengals were 12 and four in 2015. They had five straight playoff uh, trips in a row. Then they had one bad year, six, nine, and one. The public gave up on them when they started 0 and 3. They've been playing very well since then. They're 5 and 3 straight up. They finally got the running game going with Mixon, finally with that bad O line last week. Uh, but what's happened here is that the Steelers have been playing so well themselves. They've dwarfed the Bengals. The public's not paying attention to the Bengals. Just a month and a half ago, these two teams played. They played in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was laying three and a half. Look at this line value adjustment. Now they're playing in the jungle and Pittsburgh is laying five and a half on the road. Just too much of a point spread tax now on the Steelers who are six and zero oh straight up. So here's the thing. Let's, let's really quantify that change. Cause if Pittsburgh at home is favored by three and a half, it's saying they're a half a point better. Now the fact Pittsburgh is favored by five and a half on the road means they're eight and a half points better Thus, there's been an eight-point net swing in those six weeks. And if anything, I think the Bengals are probably playing as well. I think the Bengals, their, their, their stats were pretty good going into that Pittsburgh game. It was almost like a Chargers scenario. It's like, wow, their stats are better. But then they play bad for a while, for sure, after the Pittsburgh game and onward. But here's, an, and again, this is an aberration, and we can always go back five weeks to make it sound Interesting, but I do think there's something to this about the Bengals playing better. If you look at quarterback rating, last five weeks, Andy Dalton's rating is better than a little quarterback named Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz, not a lesser quarterback rating than Andy Dalton. But the reason last five weeks, the reason it's only a lean, and I'm sure there's some listeners that are. Uh, Want to chime in? Andy Dalton also is bad in primetime games. There's a reason the Bengals never win any playoff games. The Bengals, in fact, are bad on Monday Night Football, nine and sixteen against the spread. Tomlin is seventeen and five straight up, sixteen and six against the spread against the Bengals. He takes these division games very seriously. And Big Ben, this surprised me, is thirty-two and nineteen against the spread in December. So some strong trend plays. And remember, the Steelers, the book on them is they play better primetime games. And Pittsburgh has played better in Cincinnati because a lot of fans, it's a people don't realize it's only a, what about a three hour drive or so. And Big Ben from Ohio, so I know Northern Ohio, but he plays very well in Cleveland and in Cincinnati. No, well, everyone plays well in Cleveland, so <laughs> except Kaiser, except right. the Chargers, everyone last except year. the everyone except the Browns, and and you know, so Pittsburgh good in Cincy. I think the Bengals are playing better. I lean that way, but I don't like it as you said because this is a high-motivation spot for the Steelers. They had their letdown last week, as we discussed, and I, I expect a good game out of them. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream preview. Okay, next up, pros versus Joes. Maybe we get a little Huey here. Broncos, Dolphins. This one, Broncos. So the smart money is on the Broncos. And it's been bet that way. On the road, Broncos open as a one-point underdog. One-and-a-half-point favorite now. 
Dolphins now a home underdog. Your boy, Pat, all right, time to answer for Lynch. I was on, we were on straight out of Vegas at length. I was imploring you, don't bet Lynch. Don't, don't you know, just my arms were moving. I, my hands went into like a folded position. And what did you do? I bet on Lynch. So I in said, hindsight, in hindsight, do you see the wisdom? I'm a freaking idiot. <laughs> I actually said, how can he be worse than the quarterbacks that generated a minus 16 turnover differential? Simeon Osweiler, who both been playing injured. Well, I was wrong. He's even worse. There's something about being, I spoke to, to Ross Tucker about this, a former NFL lineman. Once a quarterback is over six, six, he's just so clumsy and his release takes so much time, no matter how good he is in a combine, he's just no good in a real game. And we saw that with Lynch. If you watched that, it was a blessing to the Broncos that he got injured. Simeon came in down 21 nothing, rallied the team, the much better of the three bad quarterback options here for Denver. And that's why money's coming on Denver, uh, because at least Denver has a not horrendous quarterback this week. Okay, so first question is, the narrative on Simeon was he's never going to be a franchise quarterback, but maybe Simeon could be the 20th best quarterback or 22nd in the NFL. That was entering this year. And you heard people like Michael Lombardi saying, hey, he was even hurt last year. He's even better than he looked, or at least a portion of the a significant portion of the year. Well, his arm strength seemed to be a huge problem to the point that, that this, this defense or this offense couldn't do anything. From what you saw on the field last week, where's Simeon's health at? I still don't think he's a hundred percent. I think it's had a lot to do with, he was able to play against the Oakland defense that everyone looks pretty good against. Well, everyone, but Lynch, everyone, but Lynch. Correct. And I'm worried about Simeon long-term. You know, we saw, we see this with some quarterbacks, they get banged up and they just never um, are able to improve. Simeon's taken so many hits. He's had so so many repeated injuries, shoulders, legs. Is he ever going to be fully healthy in this league? And, and that's the thing is, I know that some people say injuries are all luck and there's no such thing as injury prone. I think some people just have brittle bones. Some people soft tissue. Listen, I'm no doctor. I don't play one on TV, but is the idea of, you know, I've seen people growing up even that every time a guy fell down, you know, he had a sprained ankle and there were some guys you could draw him off a roof and he'd get up and walk away. Right. And I think you can see with guys like, you know, there's some guys that just don't get hurt. I I know there's some luck to it, but it's not all luck, I don't think. All right, so I actually like Miami here, and here's why. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I don't particularly like doing this, but, you know, to be fair, to be fair, so as we said, pros versus Joes, pros on the Broncos, Joes on the Dolphins, and I'm on... The Dolphins. You know how they say a man like that wears a pink shirt, you know, let's say in a tough, let's say you grow up in a tough area and things aren't as, you know, people aren't as open-minded as they are today, you know, back in the old days, or maybe even today where I grew up, if you wear a pink shirt, it's like that guy must be secure in his masculinity or why would he wear a pink shirt? Right? Well, I consider me knowing, see, you guys don't know for sure what the sharp grade is. Fez, you got great instincts on it, but you don't know exactly what Maddie says when you make your picks. I knew it 
when I bet or like, I didn't bet him, like, and remember, it's probably a good time to talk about that. So we lean or like nearly every game, though we give one pass and a total and derivatives, and we got a teaser coming up too. But we want you to at least know, hey, half point one way or the other. Like is, this is clear. I, you know, it could move a point, point and a half, and I would still at least lean that way. And then amongst all the likes, you're going to bet some of the games, right? Two or three a week, maybe on the sides. And obviously the best bet's the one you like best of all the games. Uh, and these are early, right? We're taping on Wednesday where you release your stuff up at pregame.com and we'll have a coupon coming up later in the show, which is your late releases, your very best stuff. And you bet every one of those. This is a like for me, but because I don't want to buck the sharps that much, I'm not going to bet it, but it does take guts. And, and, and I just would say confidence, you know, just that inner confidence some people have. And I, you know, I'm not going to say I've got it, but I think someone who would pick the dolphins when they know that he's going to get Hueyed, I think a lot of people would say that I've got it. I'd say you've got some irony because <laughs> you correctly told me not to bet on Paxton Lynch last week, and you are 100% correct, spot on, and now you are leaning with Jay Cutler. Well, think about this. The Broncos have played. They, the Broncos had four straight games. They lost by 10 points or double digits every game. Then they lost a close game. And then they lost, how much, what was the final last week? 21-14. But they but got down 21 nothing. Yeah. So not double digits, but so they've lost six straight games by over 40 points. Just doing a little math to my head. How in the heck are they road favorites? I don't care if you're playing the worst team or not. Because Miami's managed to lose by 40 points in one game this year, RJ. Well, no, fair enough, but but listen, the Broncos didn't win, lose by exactly 10 <laughs> of those games, right? But the point I'm saying is, oh, oh, let's look at your power ratings. I mean, where where do you have, you have the Broncos 23? What's the matter with you? Football Outsiders or DVOA has them 27, but plus we're, bl- see, Football Outsiders at least is blending the stats the whole season. How could you think right now, you actually think Denver's playing the same as San Francisco, Better than Green Bay, better than Arizona, better than Arizona. If Denver and Arizona played on a neutral right now, you would have Denver favored. Yeah. <laughs> well, I still, maybe I fell in love a little bit with Simeon in the fourth quarter. <laughs> hey, they had the ostrich going for a month and a half. He was awful as well. That defense, when properly motivated under Simeon, is going to be just fine. And you know what? I, after they beat Miami, you're going to agree with me. <laughs> yeah. So to me, now listen, remember, guys, this is the important saying. And Jimmy Vaccaro, a legendary bookmaker and a real class act, I think, in town, he coined the phrase, at least the first guy I heard it from, professional batters bet numbers, recreational batters bet teams. And to me, I get it. Broncos a plus one. Okay, maybe. But now they're minus one and a half. That's where I'm grading now my or assessing now. Uh, to me, it's maybe not quite as sharp. It's not really sharp at one and a half because if it were, it would be bet to two, right? That, that, that's a great point. I had these teams a point and a half apart. I've got Miami, the worst team, one and a half for a small home field advantage. My power rating numbers make this game pick them, even with all of Miami's problems. So I really have no dog in this hunt. That's interesting. It always shows you, listen, all all we're doing is trying to estimate here because sharp money by definition is going to move the line. 
And once it starts moving, it means they're done thinking there's value because they'll keep betting it if they think there's value. And there's guys, frankly, that would will make a bet on a Denver at plus 105 saying, you know what? I don't even like this. I hate this bet, but I know I'm going to get plus 108 back in the other direction. I'm just going to earn with it. And you don't know. It's it's that. Oh, I guess if you're able to steam chase and action, if you're in front of the screen and you're getting a lagging line. Or you, if you got my power ratings access to what <laughs> I think. The free, the free power ratings. By the way, Fez, first place to get the power ratings, Fez on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, Fezzik Sports on Twitter. And that's his only Twitter account, Fezzik Sports. All right. So you pass this game. You talked about Simeon. Cutler looks like he's playing. We're taping on Wednesday. Worst stats in the NFL for Miami. I agree with that. Any closing thoughts? One closing thought, just because it applies to a couple games this week. When you see a line moving from like plus one half to minus one half, you say, well, that's not that big a deal. And I agree. It's not that big a deal. It is important um, for the teaser players out there. Pay a lot of attention to these pick em games because it's not unusual that you might well be able to tease a plus one up to a plus seven, and then it flips at this, it not even flips it at the same time. You can get a plus one half on the other side and tease that team up to plus seven and a half. But obviously not at the same book. But not at the same book and not, at, you know, and not putting them together by any means. So you're, yeah. You know, that's interesting. Let's think about that. Wow. I never thought of that. Let's, well, first, let's give Fez his due here. Only in dreams you're getting stuff like that. So you're at, let's say there's a plus one and a half ideally, right? Because you want to get a, or you lay the little extra and go from, um, you know, pick them or, or one to eight, right? Because you want to get through seven either yeah, one way. To, one to seven and a half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ideal. Well, one to seven and a half is a six, six and, and a half. half. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. like example, Thursday, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving this Thursday, you've got a game that flipped that way. So I woke up and I saw the money moving on the Redskins and I went ahead and teased the Redskins up from plus one to plus seven and a half. Actually thinking to myself, Oh, I bet I'll be teasing Dallas later in the week. I know. Let's think about this. So let's just say you get your seven and a half. Okay, good. Now at another book, maybe at the same time though, you're usually not going to see that much of a, a, a variation, but let's just, but you will sometimes see a minus one and a plus one, actually. But let's say it just moves one tick to pick them. Now there's going to be some places that are going to be plus one the other way. Now you go up to seven and a half there, and you might say, well, you got two pieces, but why is it, you know, deserving the only in dreams? It's because now with your money management and stuff, you're guaranteed to win one with obviously a humongous chance to win two, but then it allows you. To potentially now, would you be inclined to bet the same team on the other side? Whereas, let's say you loved a team at plus eight and a half or something. Let's say from plus two and a half, would you be inclined to bet as the second leg in both? And now you've got a situation where you just win one, and you know you're going to at worst, you know, lose a little vig, and then if if it falls in that you know big old cavern of plus seven and a half each way, you win both. Yes, especially, and this is high level. It looks stuff. like it looks like Fez is trying to decide if he's going to give this one away. But hey, if you start, you got to finish. I love teasing the second leg, a minus seven that I already like, down to a minus one half. RJ, and let's think about this. So after the first leg of my teasers went, the second leg is minus a half. 
That's a de facto money line bet now on the second leg. If I just want to earn, I can come back and play a money line on the dog plus the 325 and lock in a profit. Ooh. Now, but that's that's sharp as all get out if you were doing high frequency. Like if you could do thousands of those. But unless you bet a gigantic amount, unless you like locking in the profit, why Why wouldn't you just let, why would you, because every time you make a bet, you're getting charged VIG one way or the other. Because the favorites are running right now. So a lot of times you can tease early in the week, a minus seven down to minus a half, and then it's going to uh, go up so, to seven and a half. There'll be an eight and a half at a station. Casino, okay. So the theory is you're getting, the theory is you might even like that money line by itself at that point on the dock. Right. Because it's run up. Okay. Honestly, guys, is, and, and it's probably important saying it. When Fez came to me, he was, you know, not near as famous as he is now. Would you agree with that? Only had like 12,000 followers on Twitter. All right. And, but he was the only two-time Super Contest champion before we ever met. I was a fan of his from a distance. And, and that's true. And the fact of the matter is that when he came in, I said, Fez, here's the thing. I've taught, I know a lot of sharps in my life and they all want to hide. They want to keep the stuff for themselves. I said, anything that people can't really use out there, you know, like you got a lot of parlay card stuff that you just, if you're not in Vegas, you can't use and you don't owe that to anybody. But when it comes to, and you won, what was it? 55,000 on your parlay day, on one of your cards this week, uh, year? I did, but I just lost a $24,000 parlay card on the Cleveland Browns a couple of weeks ago on that plus eight against Jacksonville. Wait a minute. That if made Jackson, me angry. Was that, was that the last piece? Or it, was, you, it was the fifth leg. It's after okay. the fact I looked at it and I was like, what? I cannot believe in a town where if you lose by a missed field goal, you hear about it for two weeks. You didn't mention that till now. It's Cleveland. It's routine. <laughs> that I, I mean, you got to get, some, you know, I gave you the booze. I got to give you some claps. For not whining. <laughs> because that's amazing. 24K. <laughs> Made me sad. Kaiser. <laughs> All right. So, but the point is, what I told you, and you can affirm this, I think, is if it's, uh, you got to give, every pick you give, you got to bet. Every bet that you make, you got to give. If there's the ability for someone out there who's following you, to make it. Whereas if you're betting some rogue number, no, but if it's something you really believe in and it's market, you give it. And when we do the media, you've got to share the stuff that people can benefit from. If you've got secrets, they can't benefit from in any real way, or let's say even a, a wannabe sharp can't benefit from meaning that they aren't willing to do what you do, which is track every coin flip, track, track every, if a team receives or not. And a lot of things that cause you maybe to try to bet first quarters after the coin flip, but before the kickoff, like that stuff. Yeah. There's people willing to do that, but one day we might write a book and, 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 or I'll get you a ghostwriter and we'll charge like maybe like 10,000 for the book. Like there's some books like that. You only sell a hundred of them and they're like 10,000 a piece. What you're saying? I can't write organized. <laughs> Well, you know, we want it to be readable. We'll give it away there for the 10,000 because only the fanatics are going to want it. But to me, one of the things that really separates you is you share so much. Yeah. And in terms of advantage gambling, there's a book out there called Beyond Counting by James Grosty. And 
that like which it, we which I didn't even know you knew about. You didn't know I knew about. We were talking about it about a month ago. I bought it for thirty nine ninety five, and now I can sell it for a thousand dollars on the black market. But how did you buy it for thirty nine ninety five? Just in the bookstore. It, it has See, hardly I, any sales. That must no no no. See, I think you must have stumbled on something there because even from the beginning, he only sold the books to people he knew, and he at, he got a personal commitment. You will not. Give this to anyone else. I might have bought it from Anthony Curtis. See, there you go, right? And uh, uh, so at the time, that, that but that was a situation. He said, hey, I want to share this stuff. I want to make some big money on it, right? Because it was expensive, I think, uh, in most cases at the time. Um, he might have, you know, with friends or whatever, did whatever. But but now on the black market, you know, the, the, it's very expensive. Like you said, over a thousand bucks. Just like it's not unusual in the Super Bowl. I'll give one away. Um, everyone's so busy. Sometimes they put up a prop. Who's going to kick off? All right. It does happen that a team wins the coin toss. They say, we're going to kick off. And they, and that prop stays up until the actual kickoff. And you take advantage. I've been known to. <laughs> that's why the bookies hate you. Start one and oh, to start that's the why Super the bookies, Bowl every year. That's why the bookies hate you. By the way, you know, I'm going to go through a couple. I got a little rant this week, but I'm going to go through a couple more games. So I'm on Miami. Pros. On the Broncos. But I think the pros are on the Broncos catching points. No, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Next game. We got teaser number one. Then we got a derivative bat. Fez's only derivative bat. And then we get into the smart money. Double like, triple like, best bets. All right. Teaser game. Giants. Raiders. Right now we're looking at eight and a half. Raiders favored. Fez, your teaser piece is... We're going to tease Oakland down to minus two and a half. This is as big a no-brainer as you will ever see, RJ. Geno Smith is starting for the New York Giants instead of Eli Manning. We know Geno Smith can't play a lick. I downgraded the Giants three and a half points for that change, but the philosophy is huge. The Giants are telling their players, look, we're not going to try to win the rest of the year. We're not even going to experiment with our third string quarterback. We just want to get Sam Darnold or a really good quarterback to replace Eli next year. They're having a commitment to not winning. So I got one team in the Raiders that are absolutely need a win like blood. And I got another team that doesn't care about winning. And in fact, management might even prefer losing. All we need to do basically is to win the game. Let's tease Oakland. So three and a half points. The market's saying clearly, I mean, Geno Smith is one of the worst backups in the league, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's not like he was, you know, a potential starter. Yeah, it's shocking that they're going with them. And I mean, Eli was having a bad year, but it wasn't all his fault. The bad O-line lost all his wide receivers. I think it's the signal from the front office that's a negative for the Giants. And I and I do lean Raiders, and I agree with you on the tease. Um, I almost, though, like this more as a, uh, what's that called? A rever- I've never played it, but I always want to. Pleaser. The pleaser. So you're giving up points, right? Because to me, I, this is a high-variance game. I Because if the Raiders start winning, you know they're going to want to, you know, they've had a disappointing season. They'd love to win by 30 here. My concern is that it's likely both the Raider wide receivers are going to be out. Crabtree is suspended. Cooper is in concussion protocol and has an injured leg on top of it. You may not have enough firepower to cover the pleaser. And that's a good, there you go. That's why he's Faz. Um, okay, so I lean Raiders, but first piece of the teaser. All right, next. Oh, last thing. I also think it's a distraction. I mean, you look at Francesa, he's going wild about it now. Uh, so I think there's a signal to the team and also a distraction with, with Eli not playing. And you've been a guy that's been 
adamant that teams don't tank. We've agreed the players won't tank, but there are there are disinterested players. If ever there's a time that that's going to happen, it's here. We did see that with Buffalo. Angry players don't like to try as hard as motivated players. Smart money on this game for Matty Holt. Uh, even down the middle with good handles. A lot of betting on this, but pretty much down the middle. Okay, next game. Derivative back Colts, Jags. Jags nine and a half. Even a little extra vig on the Jags. Jags at home. What's your derivative? I'm going first quarter under seven and a half. You can lay up to minus a dollar sixty. It's probably going to be seven to seven and a half because the total's forty and a half. I love the game. To but how much is seven? If you have seven, so if you let's say you lay a dollar sixty a seven and a half under, wh- where would you lay under seven? Under seven, lay a dollar fifteen. Okay, so worth about forty five cents. Forty five fifty cents. Really important. One touchdown, um, and you land on the number. Jacksonville, Blake Bortles does not throw touchdowns early in games. He is a game manager. They hand the ball off and they let the defense win the ball control um, and they get a field goal, then they get ahead and then the defense takes over. And also Kobe Brissett, absolutely. I saw him play. He was terrible. He got sacked eight times. He held the ball too much. They tried to throw too much last week. I think they're going to come in trying to run the ball more, especially against Jacksonville where they should go ahead and have some success running the ball first quarter under. We both had the Colts last week, tough beat at the end of the game, I thought. Um, But the narrative for us was Brissett's trending upwards. Did you see, was it one game? You're not all that worried? Or did you see something that really worries you about Brissett? I saw a concerning factor that he just was under duress. Not even that much stretch. He just held the ball way too much, and he got sacked eight times. Eight sacks is an awful lot, and if there's one team in the league that has been very proficient at sacking teams that hold the ball too long, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's why I would lean that one matchup advantage to the Jaguars, even laying the big number. Hmm. Do you look at playing yes to a defensive touchdown? I think it's probably a good idea. Plus 170 or more, yes. Okay. I am going to pass this game. I usually would think Colts for sure, but I believe the Jags are one of the best teams in the NFL when they're up by a a touchdown or more because they run the ball so well and they have such a fierce pass rush good against the pass in general. So if they know you're throwing from behind, so in a weird way, a team that can't throw, you would think isn't great to lay a big number like the Jags, but the Jags grind you, baby. When they're up, they, they tend to extend those leads. So I'm going to pass next game. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You know, I'll wait. I'm going to give the coupon here in a game or two, but this is where the action gets very explicit. Smart money, double like triple, like best bets coming up. As we like to say, the stakes are going up. Eagle Seahawks, big game here. And man, the Eagles bet up to six, six at Seattle. First time in about six years, the Seahawks have been bigger than a field goal underdog at home. Forget six now. And the smart money is on Philadelphia. He's a driving the line move. Philadelphia smart money. This is also another PR power rating edge game. So Fez, if we just do the math, there's a power ratings edge in this game. And it's on. So the math says Philly should be favored by two and a half. 
Instead, they're favored by six. So your edge says Seattle. Do you like Seattle? I do like Seattle, and I think you might. Wait, get, you lean Seattle? I'm upgrading to like because <laughs> I'm saying you're gonna you're likely gonna even get a better number because it's an underdog in a prime time game, and the Eagles are nine and two against the spread right now. RJ, the Eagles have won four straight games, all against cupcakes by twenty plus points. This team is absolutely rolling. I have them as the best team in the NFL, as do almost everyone, and because of that. They've become an absolute, um, the public's favorite uh, team to bet on. And we're seeing that Seattle, what's the book on Seattle? Best home field advantage in the league. Maybe when they're a double-digit favorite, it's no more than three and a half points. But it's four on average. It's probably four and a half to five points as a home underdog here. This Put this line in perspective. This was a game of the year before the season started. Seattle's seven and four. They're meeting expectations almost, although they have some injuries. They were laying seven against the Eagles in this game. Now they're catching six points. Another point spread to put this in perspective. The Eagles just played in Dallas a couple weeks ago. Dallas is crippled. The Eagles open minus three and a half. Seattle's way better than Dallas. Now the Eagles, that point spread tax is kicking in. They're laying six and it's probably only going up. Okay. So you do your Fezzik forecast, which you talk about. Line moves and historically you've given five picks or or line move projections a week and the games that don't move at all, we toss out, but the games that do move, you've been right about 70% of the time historically. And you put that out again on your Twitter at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K and pregame.com in the forums. And Fez is great talking to you. If you got any questions from this pod or anything, really jump in the form, do a post. Fez is going to respond uh, really connecting with the followers, the listeners, the viewers, because he also does his videos. Just go to YouTube, search for pregame TV. Him and Brad Powers do great videos. Is Fez's and the other pros' willingness to connect with those that enjoy the information, I think it's unmatched, no doubt about it. When do you typically release your Furious 5 forecast? Tuesday. It hasn't happened yet. It's going up tonight. So so we're taping on Wednesday. Wednesday night it's going up. And usually it's Tuesday. <laughs> All right. So you're going to get good late info, but by Thursday for sure. By Thursday for sure. So when you're listening to this every week, guys, NFL comes out Thursday morning. You uh, obviously can check out the forecast. Do you? Pre- is this going to be one of your predictions? No, that it, that it goes up. No, because it, I have a double prediction here. It's going to go up. And then right before the game is played, it's going to crash. The pros are going to wait and take as, as many points as they can get the hour before kickoff. Cause you're on Seattle. I think a lot of pros are going to be on <laughs> Seattle, especially if the number inflates. Last question. I had real concerns about the dream crusher, how hard Seattle would play last week. From watching the game, what did you see effort-wise? Yeah, I saw good effort. And, you know, they are a quality team that has dealt with adversity before. I think what I missed was Seattle. I worried about the Dream Crusher also off that Atlanta loss. And that was a tough loss at home. Could have gone either way. But um, remember the book on Seattle. Seattle always improves in December. Now, they've got those key injuries in the secondary. No Richard Sherman and um, and missing a couple other starters. But. December is Seattle's time. That's where they've always improved under Pete Carroll. Good stuff. All right. Next game. Double like, double like Panthers, Saints, Saints at home favored by four and a half. Let's get the smart money. No big action yet as of Wednesday. And we got this report right before 
taping here Wednesday afternoon in the pregame.com offices. Fez, who do you like? Like New Orleans, really good spot for the Saints. Premium team that finally got beat, and it was a forgivable loss. They went ahead, went into the Rams. They're missing two of their cornerbacks, Crawley and Lattimore, and I think that was ultimately the the um, the difference in the game where they lose a close game. Uh, contrast that with Carolina. They lose Olsen. They don't lose him, but he's not effective at all. He could come back from injury. So uh, Cam was not effective, which surprised me. He had been playing very well. My only concern, I would really like New Orleans, like premium through the roof. If you give me these cornerbacks, Crowley and Lattimore back, but I don't know if they're going to play. And right now, though, it's uncertain. It's not certain they're not going to play. Questionable. All right. So come, do you think the line moves on that? That's a great question because I bet it does because there's a lot of talk about rookie of the year and all, on defense and all this stuff. Probably half a point, but I tell you what, the Lattimore is worth more than that. And if I don't get these guys, I'll make a small pizza butt bet. If I get them both, I'll make a really big bet and I'll, I'd lay five. Okay. I like the Saints also. To me, I'm just not a Panther fan. I get it. They, you know, I just think Cam's too up and down. And I think the Saints are bouncing back. Like we said, this is going to be a focus game. And also, now listen, this one lost last time, but boy, it's a big trend, is when the Saints are home, if the team is better than 500, which leads to crowd enthusiasm, last 21 games, 17-3-1 against the spread. 17-3-1 when the Saints are above 500 at home. And to me... I don't think there's any doubt there's going to be crowd enthusiasm. And when there is saints have one of the best home fields, you know, probably four points, right. And that's in those kind of spots. Yeah. I think four is the number right there with Seattle. So double like on the saints. Okay. We got a one more double like, and then a triple triple like next double like, and it's a PR edge. So let's start there. Power ratings, edge play. And we can see why there's such an edge. Chiefs, Jets, Chiefs favored by three and a half in some spots. And we're going to be going with the Jets. So we'll take that extra hook. Chiefs, three and a half. And Fez, the math says there's real value on the Jets. And when I say the math, the Fez math of your power ratings. Yeah, I like the Jets. I have to wonder, maybe the odds makers and the public think they're playing this game at a neutral site because I would have made this line three and a half at a neutral. I have Kansas City, a slightly above average team, one point better than average team. And I have the Jets two and a half points worse than an average team. Curiously, if you look at the underlying stats of both teams, they're much closer together than even that. Basically, Kansas City, I think, is just slightly positive net yards per play. And the Jets are right at zero net yards per play. But Kansas City, if you do any kind of weighting average, they started five. And oh, this was absolutely a team kicking butt. They've been a very much below average team. And because of that, I could make the case the Jets are actually playing better, catching three and a half at home. Now, I get the argument, hey, Kansas City, they just lost as a big favorite last week. Shouldn't they bounce back? Well, they should have bounced back the week before because they've just lost as a big favorite back to back weeks. I agree. And and to me, it's one thing if a team just is randomly cold. And if you look in a couple turnovers and injury that people aren't valuing. But I, I the, when I read on it and listen to the guys that know the X's and O's, they're saying they're struggling since the Steelers played a certain type of cover two against them is every team has been doing it. And, and 
the Chiefs just have not figured out how to respond to it. And they've had one of the worst. Everyone always thinks, oh, solid team, good coaching, you know, good defense. Well, if you look at Kansas City's yards per play on defense, number 26 in the NFL. On offense, they've been five, right? Five in the NFL. But if you look recently, the offense is in the 20s too. Yeah, and a lot of that is the rookie running back, Hunt, was just a stud. He was picking up six yards per play. And he was from not even a big five conference. So kind of an under-the-radar guy. He's clearly has worn down. He's only averaging three yards per rush, half of what he was getting the first five weeks. That's a big part of it. And Alex Smith is not playing well. Yeah, agreed. So to me, I don't think the stat, usually in a 16-game season, you hope the stats can stay applicable throughout the season because you need at least all the games to start to feel like the stats can tell you anything but like we said, Bill's key change there. And I think whatever's happen, happening schematically, this Chiefs team, if you just if, if the season started in the Pittsburgh, I mean, think about it. Now, I know it's not fair to say it that way because there, ha- there are data points before that. But if you can actually connect some coaching schematic change and say from here on, this is how good the team's played. I mean, where would the Chiefs be? What would they be, 28th or 29th? In your, in your ratings, if it was from Pittsburgh on? Yeah, they've only won one game um, since they started 5-0. and And look at what's going on with the Jets. They're playing better each and every week. I'd make the case they completely outplayed Carolina last week. Special teams touchdown, Carolina. Defensive score touchdown, Carolina. And so Carolina is barely winning the game, even with both of those up five. They kick a field goal with 20 seconds left to win and cover, uh, win by eight phony final. So the Jets get another home game after giving away a game that they should have won outright. Yeah. So I like this one too. So double like, double like on the Jets. Okay. Let's talk guys, by the way, coupon time. What a week we had such a surge. I mean, this bit we're up like three X like starting the season versus today, triple the people listening to the dream preview. And that quite frankly is cause of you. Why? Cause you like, you give us a five star on iTunes, let's say, or the platform that you listen to us on. You send an email with the link to your friend, you tweet it, you put it on Facebook. That stuff helps us grow and it helps us put money and time into the pod. We not only are very thankful and I try to express that personally every week, but also, if you want the best bets from Fez or any of the pros, we give you a coupon every week based on how well you're doing. Well, you would be starting back at $10 off because you did so well. I'm not only going to 11, I'm going to 12. NFL Dream 12, NFL, D-R-E-A-M, the number one, the number two, NFL Dream 12. 12 bucks off anything, any NFL pick now through Sunday, NFL Dream 12 triple like time, baby. And by the way, after that, we've got two best bets. And one of them is a crossfire and a DVOA disagreement. (laughs) And the second part of Fez's tease. I mean, this is probably the most action packed game, but first the triple like 49ers bears bears at home favored by three and a half in some spots. And the smart money for Maddie Holt on the 49ers Fez. You like the 49ers. I like the 49ers. Triple like, make your case. See, we agree on most of the games, RJ. You just enjoy disagreeing more because your debate skills <laughs> kick in. I love the 49ers. I've got more reasons than I have time to talk about it. Let's start out with 
Jimmy Garoppolo. How much better is it he than the stiff that's been playing quarterback? Oh, I'll give you more time. (laughs) We we can't really be certain, but I upgraded San Francisco four points for the quarterback change. I think that might well be light. That's um, only because he doesn't have the familiarity of a year with the offense. He only threw two passes. Hey, they got a touchdown. Um, at, at the end of the game, last game when they lost to Seattle. Also, Garoppolo, where is he from? He is from the Chicago area. So no concerns about playing in any cold weather and uh, a little added edge coming back home to Chicago to play here. Uh, the Bears, wow. First half against the Eagles. No first downs. The Eagles, 14. They absolutely- So the Bears had no first downs? None. So they played as bad. The quarterback rating for Trubisky, zero. Point five, the worst quarterback rating for a quarterback is recorded in 20 years that had 30 plus attempts last week. And one more reason to hate the bears here. I can't believe this one. John Fox, when he's been favored, he's coached three years for the bears. He's been favored six times. RJ, he is Owen six against the spread. That's not good as a favorite. He's Owen six straight up. I got to tell you, that was like you prepared for a month on that one. That was strong. <laughs> Woo. Good stuff. As I, I can't add much more. I, I, I agree with you. If anything, I almost wish Garoppolo was going to start, but he didn't do what he did last week. Cause I don't think it tells you very much, but I think it's got people excited, but this line doesn't seem to account for it. I mean, we bet we both bet the bears against green Bay. That was their, you know, big brother, little brother fight back game. Since then, they've been such a disappointment. I mean, it's like, I I think it's important to kind of quantify. Last season, the Bears were, net yards per play, 0.4 yards, which this year, 0.4 would be literally number 10 in the NFL. So they were somewhere, I think they might have been 12 or 13, but this year, if you're plus 0.4, you'd be number 10, right? Behind the Rams are only plus 0.5 this year, right? Okay, so, and Matt Barkley started seven games. So the thought was, this is such a good team. They had bad quarterback play, couple bad breaks, overrated or underrated, underrated. That was the thought. Agreed entering the year. Oh, absolutely. The wise guys were on the Bears to go over five and a half wins. Now they're minus .3 on the season. So they're literally down seven-tenths of a yard, which is a pretty big drop. And I think this narrative about them being good statistics, they're just not that good statistically either. Forget all their other problems. Yeah, and and it didn't help them that they lost their two best receivers before the season, basically before the season. Yeah, but we knew that when we bet them against the Packers. We knew that every game. Sure. So it's just, just, to me, when a team loses games that you know they're all in, like the Packers, and then they, uh, what was it, the Lions were next, if I remember, and they didn't cover? And they they pushed on the number, actually. Oh. That was the gut punch because it was tied and the Lions hit a 51-yarder to end the game. And then they don't show up last week. I mean, to me, I think part of what I like about Garoppolo is the energy. You know the team is, is going to be up because of him, and we're getting three and a half. The rare case where the one-win team, RJ, is going in the right direction. They're excited. They just got a win recently. The three-win team has the lame duck coach, and they know that they're toast. All right, good stuff. Well, it's that time again. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. 
should I start singing? Like maybe have Blossom be a little lower and and then I'm singing kind of melody. I did not know who Blossom was. I still don't. <laughs> I, I got a feeling you'd have a crush on Blossom. That's what I'm going to say. Jacqueline Smith. <laughs> Cheryl Ladd. <laughs> All right. This is my best bet, but it's also, it's also a crossfire. All right. We got the Titans. We got the Texans. We also have a football outsiders disagreement. Let's start there. All right. So you've got the Titans, Fez. Number 13. I can't believe this. Number 13. And Football Outsider says 22. I think they're around 18 or 19 or 20. So I'm more towards Football Outsiders, but huge difference. Any idea what? I don't think I reflected enough the strength of schedule number. The Titans have really played a cupcake schedule. Look at that division and what's happened with the starting quarterback. Number 30 by the Sagarin strength of schedule. Yes. And I think also they won and they covered last week and it was a phony cover. They really should not have covered that game. Agreed. And I should have downgraded them despite the cover. And so, I so now, so now I had two, I picked you off twice today. Two and oh, baby. <laughs> All right. So I won't, we won't belabor that point. Now let's segue to the game. Titans favored by their sevens out there. So I think I should take Texans plus seven which is my best bet Texans plus seven. And I guess I'll go first. Cause it is my best bet. Even though it's a crossfire, I do a hour national show with SB nation. Another show, Fred Fowers, the host, he's a Houston radio guy and he follows Houston closely. Very sharp, very sharp. And he said he saw more energy from the Texans than any time since the Watson injury. O-line played relatively well last week. So I I think there's a situation where the Texans are still playing. And when you have decent teams that are getting points and they're still playing hard, that's where I think you find value. And this is in division. So there's no way the Texans are going to roll over. So I think plainly this is a value play. I think the Texans are a little bit underrated. And I think the Titans are way overrated. I mean, seven and four. Is that right? Seven and four? Absurd. This team's not seven and four. Marietta is regressing compared to last year. They've just had, quite frankly, an inordinate number of easy games, lucky bounces, the whole thing. And it's a pure value play. Best bet Texans. Now, you actually like Tennessee. I can't even comprehend that. And you have a teaser on the Titans, which is more defensible because it's you're going through or at least off a seven and down a three. Make your case. Two reasons. Tom Savage, 4.3 yards per play with him under center. We spoke about Baltimore being the worst offense in the NFL. Correction, second worst. With Savage, we've Houston's been the very worst team. But really, the reason for me liking Tennessee here, and I'm not... And a, you're talking offense there. Obviously. I'm talking offense. The reason I like Tennessee and... I think revenge is overrated, but this week it's revenge week in week 13 in the NFL. I'm going to give you a final score here, RJ. Tennessee 14, Watson and the Houston Texans 57. That's right. Heinz 57 sauce. They annihilated. They beat this team like nothing you've ever seen. And I really feel that because of that, 
this game is circled for the Titans. You know, good. It's a, I, I like the logic there, except it's back to the old, can you go past 10 on the amp, right? Is, is I think it's a division game. I think Tennessee is obviously battling Jacksonville. So I don't understand exactly how you need more motivation. So I, if somehow this was questionable motivation for Tennessee, I would say, oh, great point. But I think they're max out, maxed out anyway. And I don't believe in the max out. I really think that every NFL player, and we talked about this before, come, they kick off, they're ready to go. It's the preparation time. It's easy to look at the paper and see you're a six and a half to seven point favorite and relax more often than not, except when you have a really important reason to not be relaxed. So your point is that you like Tennessee because they're going to give 110%. Anybody (laughs) beat... I, I can tell you this. I'll go back to my chess playing days when I was quite a stud. I don't want to brag. A stud at chess. Yes. <laughs> when, did you uh, have like a necklace? Did you have like the buttons of your shirt, like three of them down and like a rook on a necklace? It's a good idea. <laughs> but I can tell you on the rare case that I would lose to a kid who I was better than, I would absolutely spend extra, extra time preparation and I would bring it and I would blow him out the next time I played. I was looking at the soundboard. Was there any kind of music that screamed nerd? But there nerd, isn't. But now- nerd, <laughs> nerd, nerd. <laughs> All right. And by the way, you've got the teaser also on the Titans. That's the second leg of the teaser. My best bet, Texans. Remember, get to seven, baby. Get to seven. All right. I bet all my best bets. I've bet probably, I'd say there's probably been maybe 50 days I haven't bet since I was 14, and and that's the truth. But, Fez, you bet even more than I do, and when you give a best bet. What are you doing? Wise guy don't carry his money in a wallet. Hey, wise guy carries money in a roll. Best bet? Best bet. Let's go to Green Bay. How much do I like this bet, RJ? We were taping videos, and we suspended videotaping for me to bet this game. It just came out the line today. Green Bay catching two to two and a half points. I think it's two right now against Tampa Bay. It was named Winston, the starter, and the markets reacted favorably. They made Tampa Bay the favorite. I think that they reacted incorrectly. I think that Fitz was the better choice. All the distractions with Winston, and now he's going to go ahead and start. Of course, I'm concerned about my quarterback for Green Bay, Hundley. He's played six games. He's played four bad games. However, now he's played three games and in two of the three, he's looked pretty darn good. I also have a soft Florida team from Tampa Bay that's out of any kind of contention traveling to Green Bay in the wintertime. And Green Bay has a very good home field advantage. I only have these teams two points apart in my power ratings. And Green Bay probably should be getting three and a half at least with the home field advantage plus the weather advantage on top of it. Wrong teams favored. Take Green Bay plus the two. Okay, so that's interesting. So, plus two. So, this if this game were in Tampa, the line would be like Tampa eight? Impossible. Oh, I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm right with you there, Fez. I am right with you. Guys, we did not mess around this week. A lot of good stuff from Fez. We also, though, we're doing a Thursday breakaway. So, go to at RJ in Vegas on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas, or go to pregame.com in the forums, and there'll be SoundCloud, a little SoundCloud file with the Thursday game in it. We'll be breaking down just like this. Also, Fez sat in on college. Me, Fez, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, 
Check that out. Wisconsin's going to win. Come on, Faz. I, you know, he, he actually drank a full sugar Mountain Dew during this, and I, I think we Wisconsin. should restrict. On Wisconsin. Go, go, go. I, <laughs> Jump around. I, <laughs> Jump around. You know, that wasn't Walter White giving you that Mountain Dew, was it? I got to tell you, we're going to give Faz more Mountain Dew. Good stuff. And you're getting a little of his personality. Don't hold it against him. Talk to you there. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. What's it like for you watching games of your son coaching? Agonizing. It's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. You know, I didn't know there was actual work here. <laughs> Recent guests include Rich Eisen, Judge Judy, John Harbaugh, and the Sklar brothers. That was definitely a great moment to tell our parents, hey, we're not going to go to law school. We're just going to go ahead and do a job we could have done out of high school. Thanks for paying Thanks for, for, paying for <laughs> Exclusively on Podcast One Sportsnet. Get episodes every Tuesday at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time, finally, for America's Lakers podcast. That's right, I'm going to be hosting America's Lakers podcast. My man, Aaron Larsoul, an analytical genius, he's going to bring to the table what I can't every Wednesday. America's Lakers podcast exclusively at podcastone.com, the podcastone.com app, which I highly recommend. You can rate and review this podcast on all Apple products. And guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to bathe in the gossip and the gratuitous negativity that's been swallowing Los Angeles whole lately. Who did what? Who snitched? Who said what? How about truth? How about facts? How about statistics? How about rotations? What's Luke Walton thinking? Who's underperforming? Who's overachieving? Who's rewarded? Who's coming? Who's going? And what are we going to do with all that delightful, delicious cap space? America's Lakers podcast with me, Jay Moore, and my man, my brother, Aaron Larsoul, every Wednesday, podcast1.com.